And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds of the sea obey him? afternoon and good morning wherever you may be at in the world i am jason your co-host with god and jesus christ at my side because they are the host with the most they are in the captain's chair they're at the wheel that means that they are the ones in charge of this ship they are steering it through these crazy waters that we call life so welcome to his hard line for episode 529 we'll be doing a reading out of genesis chapter 44 with a little summary we'll close it out and then we'll Continue on with the Who is Running America Part 2 series that I'm doing here. The Who's Running America. So, um, just a little couple show notes. Remember, I do have a website. It's called hishardline.com. Hishardline.com. I do have a give, send, go. If you so choose to donate, wonderful. If not, not a big deal. What I do ask you, though, more serious than because really the money's going to die, honestly. But what I do ask you is to share the show. That's what I really want. I want you to share the podcast because, you know, I want to see people, I want to see people feel the freedom that I feel with all the work that God has done in my life. I was just talking to a buddy of mine today. Um, 
actually my buddy Aaron, as a matter of fact, the guy that has the uh, ministry lying in the sand. He's the guy that helps men with their pornography addiction, right? It's a good ministry. I'm glad he does what he does. And as somebody who used to be in that ministry, uh, or excuse me, that used to have a problem like that, I wish I had a ministry like that myself. We were talking today, and I asked him, I said, buddy, I need some prayers for the Jones household. And I'll, I'll explain why. It's really simple. I've been praying for other people um, in my life, people at work that are dealing with marital issues. I have a buddy at work. His wife put a restraining order on him because he had a fit of rage because she spent basically, you know, a lot of money on a phone that they didn't have the budget for over a thousand dollars. And according to his side of the story, cause I know, look, there's three sides to every story. There's his side, there's her side. And then there's the actual truth. And according to him, yeah, he did get mad. He admitted it and he took the phone case and he, he, he you know, he spiked it like an NFL football player on the floor. He was pissed. And that merited her a, reason to put a restraining order on him and you know basically kick him out of his own house so now he's living in his camper um they have a large farm so he's on the same property but he's away from the house anyway he's dealing with some issues and i I told him i said buddy i said i'm praying for you if you need a spare bedroom i got one for you my wife and i both open our home up to you i'm really sorry you're going through all this you know and, you know, and that was my wife's idea, actually. She was like, you know, if you're okay with it, he can, you know, if he needs a spare bedroom. Because, he, you know, he works. He, he lives like 50 minutes away, driving time. And so it's a bit of a time. So anyway, I told him. I said, brother, if you need a home, you need a spare bed and a shower. You got your own bathroom, you know. You're more than welcome here, you know. And in the meantime, we're praying for you. And then my, 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 my night driver, a different coworker. He's been really crabby lately, um, almost to the point to where his older son and his wife pretty much kind of did like an informal type of, uh, what do you want to call it, uh, intervention with him. You know, because whenever he comes off of a weekend and goes right back to work, he comes off of a, a, a weekend off of heavy drinking and he absolutely hates coming to work. And so he ends up being very crabby, very pissy. And yet, you know, a couple of days ago he came in and, and look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. The last couple of days, because I've been praying for these people and trying to wage spiritual warfare on Satan and his demons. My last couple of days have sucked. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I'm not going to hide it. I, I've been a bit of an a-hole, bad attitude. And just, I've had a slamming headache for the last two days. And I told my wife today, like we went out to eat. We took her father out to dinner because her mom's, um, tending to her grandchildren um, for my nephew and the whole thing he's got going on with his seizures. So she's helping out the family over there. And so my father-in-law's, you know, by himself and he was working today. So my wife's like, you know, let's invite him out to dinner. I'm like, okay, cool. And on my, you know, on our way to dinner, I told my wife, I said, look, I'm so sorry for being such a, a poop head. I said, because I said, you know, I said, I recognize when the enemy, like Satan and his little demons, they're trying to get at us. I said, because I've been praying very hard for other people. And when you pray and you try to wage spiritual warfare against the enemy on behalf of people who don't really know how to fight for themselves quite yet, 
Satan and his demons come after you hard. And boy, have they been doing a good job. They got in my headspace. They've made me a bitter little you-know-what. Today I'm doing good. I had a slamming headache today. I almost wanted to call out sick from work. That's how bad it was. But I made it in. I called my buddy Aaron. I said, Aaron, I said, I need you to do me a favor, buddy. I need you to pray for the Jones household. And he did on the phone while we were talking, right? And he said, well, I need you to do me a favor too. I need you to pray for me because he lost his mom two weeks ago. And he's still obviously very, very sad about it. I said, you got it, man. And so anyways, you know, I just say all that to say this. When when you pray and you fight on that side of things, right, that you wage war spiritually on behalf of other people and you try to fight for them through prayer, expect attacks from the enemy. All right. Expect attacks. Most people would listen to that and be like, that sounds crazy. That might sound crazy to you, but let me tell you something. That's a real thing. That's a very real thing. And maybe we'll get into it in a different show, but there's been, there's some stories we can share with you about the enemy. I'm talking real physical, visual experiences with the enemy. Apparitions that make themselves visible to my wife. I'm telling you, it's been bad. But we did what, if you've ever seen that movie, War Room, if you've ever seen that movie, War Room, you you remember when her husband was on that business trip and he was about ready to cheat on his wife. He was on a business trip. He was at dinner with a colleague and he was about to, you know, do the, uh, a naughty deed. And she started waging war and started praying. And then obviously God intervened, but she started walking around her house, evicting Satan out of his, out of her house saying, you are not welcomed in this home anymore. This is a house of God. Jesus lives here. This is only Jesus's domain. It's not yours. You need to go back to hell where you came from. And things got, you know, progressively better for her. Well, that's what we ended up doing in our house. We did the same thing individually. And as a couple, we went around the house and, and we prayed and, and invoked the name of Jesus Christ said, this is the name, you know, this is the house of God. This is God's home. We invite God and Jesus Christ in our marriage and in our hearts and in our home, in our family. And Satan, you need to go back to hell with all your little demon buddies. And that's where you belong because we have authority over you. And that's where we're going to cast you back to. You cannot be here. You're not welcomed. And wouldn't you believe it, 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 it stopped. But it stopped temporarily because when you start fighting for other people and you start praying for other people, the enemy gets pissed. Excuse my language. I know this is a Bible podcast, but I'm gonna, I'm, I'm speaking real. You you come to his hard line for real and authentic, not not political correctness and you know, foo foo frilly. You know, I'm gonna dance around your feelings kind of podcast. You're gonna get real, Jason Jones. And so when you pray for other people, he gets pissed, and he sends his little demon demons at you to attack. And the last couple of days, he was pretty, he was pretty good. 
my wife and I, you know, we had a nice little argument yesterday. I'm not going to get into details. It wasn't anything serious, but we had our first, you know, real argument, if you want to call it a real argument, that we've had in a long time. Because normally, if we get like a little tiff, it's like a squirt gun water fight. And then you dry off and it's fine, right? But because I've been praying for other people and I can recognize it today, yesterday, not so much, but today I recognize it. Oh, yeah. He's tried getting after us. But after my buddy Aaron prayed for us and I prayed for myself and my wife and my family, it's been better. Headache went away, came home from work. We're all nothing but, you know, but smiles. We went out to eat. It was a good evening. I say all that to say this, when you wage spiritual warfare and you pray for other people, don't expect to do that un- untouched. They will come after you, but you need to recognize it and then pray them away and cast them back to hell where they belong. I'm just, I'm being very real with you. Nancy was saying, I think he's attacking my dreams. Uh, he does that. They do that. They do, they, 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 they wait for the most opportunistic times to get at you. They're very cunning and very intelligent. Make no mistake. Do not underestimate the enemy. So anyway, real quick disclaimer. Remember, as I always state periodically on this podcast, I'm not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat. I'm not a financial advisor, a pastor, priest, deacon, or biblical scholar. I'm not a bar lawyer. I do not give out legal advice. I am also not the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies. Additionally, I am my own man, and the thoughts, statements, and opinions are of my own unless I reference other material. So there you go. So this is what we're going to do. We are going to get right into the reading. And then... um, I'm just reading some of the comments. Liz was saying, oh, Nancy, guard that. I ask for Father God to be in my dreams every night. Amen. Nancy says it's horrible. And Liz says, before I go to bed, Nancy says, I do that tonight. Liz, thanks. And my wife was saying, sorry, you're going through that. I, too, have faced that in my dreams. Or, you know, she's gone through that, too, in her dreams. So we're... We're going to keep you, Nancy, in our prayers at the end of this because that is a very real thing. My wife has dealt with it. It's a very real thing. Anybody who says otherwise or laughs at that, well, you haven't experienced the full, excuse me, you haven't experienced the full wrath of what demons can do. It's a very real thing. And Nancy will pray for it because I know exactly, my wife especially, I should say, knows exactly what you're going through. So, let's get into the reading, shall we? So, uh, Genesis chapter 44, I'm reading out of the New American Bible Revised Edition. Remember, there's 50 chapters to Genesis, so we're coming close to the end. So, it reads out of the New American Bible Version. Remember, we're talking about the final test. Remember that, right? Um, So, Joseph, right, he sees his brothers, he sends them on a test, go back home, right? Then he sends them on a second test. So now we're at the final test. And it reads, Then Joseph commanded his steward, Fill the men's bag with as much food as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouths of his bag. In the mouth of the youngest one's bag, put also my silver goblet together with the money for his grain. The steward did as Joseph said, and at daybreak, 
the men and their donkeys were sent off. They had gone far out of the city when Joseph said to his steward, go at once after the men. When you overtake them, say to them, why did you repay good with evil? Why did you steal my silver goblet? Is it not the very one from which my master drinks and which he uses for divination? What you have done is wrong. When the steward overtook them and repeated these words to them, they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money that we found in the mouths of our bags. How could we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have a goblet, he shall die. And as for the rest of us, we shall become my Lord's slaves. But he replied, now what you propose is fair enough, but only the one who is found to have it shall become my slave and the rest of you can go free. Then each of them quickly lowered his bag to the ground and opened it. And when a search was made, starting with the oldest and ending with the youngest, the goblet turned up in Benjamin's bag. Remember Benjamin, the youngest? At this, they tore their garments. Then when each man had loaded his donkey again, they returned to the city. Now when Judah and his brothers entered Joseph's house, he was still there. So they flung themselves on the ground before him. How could you do such a thing? Joseph asked them. Did you not know that such a man as I could discern by divination what happened? Judah replied, What can we say, my lord? How can we plead or how try to prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's quilt. Here we are, then the slaves of my lord, the rest of us no less than the one in whose possession the goblet was found. Joseph said, far be it from me to act thus. Only the one in whose possession the goblet was found shall become my slave. The rest of you may go back unharmed to your father. Judah then stepped to him and said, I beg you, my Lord, let my servant appeal to my Lord and do not become angry with your servant for you are the equal of Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, have you, have you a father or another brother? So we said to my Lord, we have, a, we have an aged father and a younger brother, the child of his old age. This one's full brother is dead. And since he is the only one by his mother who is left, his father is devoted to him. Then you told your servants, bring him down to me that I might see him. We replied to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. His father would die if he left him. But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see me again. And when we returned to your servant, my father, we reported to him the words of my Lord. So later, our father said, go back and buy some food for us. So we reminded him, we cannot go there. Only if your youngest brother is with us, we can go. For we may not see the man if our youngest brother is not with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, as you know, my wife bore me two sons. One of them, however, has gone away from me, and I said he must have been torn to pieces by wild beasts. I have not seen him since. If you take this one away from me too, and a disaster befalls him, you will send my white head down to Sheol in grief. So now, if the boy is not with us, when we go back to your servant, my father, whose very life is bound up with his, he will die as soon as he sees that the boy is missing. 
and your servants will thus send the white head of your servant of our father down to Sheol in grief. Besides, I, your servant, have guaranteed the boy's safety for my father's by my father by saying, If I fail to bring him back to you, Father, I will bear the blame before you forever. So now let me, your servant, remain in place of the boy as the slave of my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. How could I go back to my father if the boy were not with me? I cannot bear to see the anguish that would overcome my father. And that is the reading of Genesis chapter 44, verses 1 through 34. Wow. Wow. That's pretty heavy. So the last chapter seemed to be kind of a bit of a happy ending. Eleven of Jacob's sons are on their way to Canaan with everything they came for. They have the grain they need to avoid starvation. They, they have Simeon released from prison after being held as security. And they have Jacob's beloved Benjamin safe and well, right? They even have their money once again returned, seemingly with their knowledge, adding yet another blessing. They have not yet realized that the powerful Egyptian governor with whom they've dealt is their estranged brother, Joseph. Now, Joseph's test continues by having his own personal valuable silver cup hidden in the grain sack carried by Benjamin under Joseph's orders, and the steward catches up with the brothers on the road back to Canaan. And he questions them harshly, accusing them of stealing the cup. And naturally, the brothers protest loudly. They have no idea that the cup is with them. Seeking to prove their innocence, they make a foolish offer. If any of them are found with the cup, that man will be killed and the rest of them become slaves to the ruler. Now the steward pronounces, excuse me, the steward pounces on the offer. And while changing it, he insists, as Joseph has instructed him, that the man found with the cup will become a slave and the rest will be free to go. And so the brothers all quickly open their sacks to be searched in order from oldest to youngest. The steward who put the cup in Benjamin's sack makes a show of searching all the others before finding it there. Now, this results in a display of intense grief and frustration, but the brothers do not leave. They return to the city along with Benjamin and, and the steward. Now, the Egyptian ruler, still unrecognized as Joseph, mind you, insists that the men can go free if Benjamin remains behind as a slave. Now, this is a direct parallel to the situation Joseph faced when, when his brothers, these same men, other than Benjamin, sold him as a slave. Now, some 20 years ago, in that moment, the 10 oldest sons of Jacob cruelly and jealously left an innocent person in slavery, grieving their father to serve their own interest. Now, with Benjamin, they face a similar choice. Now, will they leave an innocent one and once again trouble their father? Now, fortunately for all of them, Judah speaks on behalf of the family and he confesses his guilt. Though he knows Benjamin and the rest are innocent of stealing the cup, he knows, however, that he has guilt to bear for what he did to Joseph many years prior. And he passionately describes how their elderly father will die of grief if he loses his beloved youngest son. 
And Judah tells how he pledged himself as safety for the boy. He could not bear to look into the eyes of his father and deliver the news that Benjamin had been left behind. This plea climaxes with a dramatic offer, hoping Joseph's heart has been softened. Now, Judah offers to take Benjamin's place as a slave. Now, in this way, he will be able to save both the boy and Jacob and the same brother who masterminded a younger brother's sale into slavery is now begging to be kept as a slave to save a younger brother. Wow. Even after being shown favoritism by his father. Now, Joseph has seen his estranged brothers now, right? He's heard them admit their guilt. And they've been reunited with his younger brother. And now in response to a test, he hears Judah's offer of his own life in sacrifice. This finally breaks Joseph's controlled disguise. And he will break down and clear the room of all the Egyptians. And eventually he will reveal his identity with great emotion, which we'll read into in Genesis chapter 45. That'll be tomorrow. Wow. What an act of love. Because, you know, I tell you, you know, they, they, with the guilt and obviously not wanting to see their father be heartbroken and then die, right? Because of Benjamin not being back. I mean, I tell you, that's, that speaks volumes. And the remorse that they're feeling, especially the oldest one, right? For what he did selling his brother into slavery. Wow. It's amazing what time can do to people and their maturity and their decision-making, right? As you get older, you start thinking a little bit more about others and less about yourself. You start thinking a little bit more logically and less on the fly and on the whim if that makes sense. I don't know if that really made sense, but you know what I mean? When you're younger, you make stupid, you know, kind of more, I don't want to say stupider. Stupider is a dumb word, but you, you kind of make poorer choices when you're younger versus when you're older, right? I know I used to. So it's kind of nice to see kind of a change of events in this particular case. So anyway, let's end this in prayer and we'll start off the next show. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to say, as always, thank you for another day of life and good health. Thank you for the family time that we were able to um, enjoy over dinner. We thank you for the people here at His Hard Line. Thank you for the listeners. We pray for special intentions and, and hidden, you know, silent prayers that are deep within people's hearts. Please hear their cry, hear their pleas and what they're asking you for, God. Um, There's a lot of people that are struggling health-wise, maritally, financially, spiritually. We pray for all of those who are struggling. And it's going to get tougher for a lot of people. We know this. And as we pray and wage spiritual warfare on the enemy for on behalf of other people that need it, we understand that the enemy is going to come attacking us full bore. We understand that. 
So all we ask in return, God, is that you strengthen our armor, protect us, guide us, and give us the courage to keep doing what we're doing and and give us the wherewithal that we never falter and fail. We pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. So that concludes episode 529, Genesis chapter 44 on this Thursday, excuse me, Thursday, Tuesday. I can't read my computer screen apparently. That concludes this show on Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. We'll close this out and then we are going to start the second show on Who is Running America? All right. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back in about two minutes. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds of the sea obey him?